This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's Time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Must Listen to Saturday Morning Sports Talk Show in all of Acadiana. Under the Dome with yours truly, the world-famous CD. Hopefully you're having a great one so far. I do ask your amp because we are coming to you live on a beautiful Saturday afternoon with none of the great college football. In fact, the Cajuns, Iowa State just kicked off. And, of course, we're coming to you live, as always, from the 103.7 The Game Studios. Baby, we're looking good. And, of course, we appreciate you listening in however you're doing, so be it. On the FM dial. The tower of power, too sweet to be sour, I'm funky like a monkey, sky's the limit and space is the place. And also make sure, hopefully you're listening in through the free mobile app, be it iPhone, Android, smart speakers, Amazon Alexa, Google Chrome, all kinds of different ways to listen in to us. Hopefully you're ready to talk about that and so much more. Cajuns actually have the ball to start off the state to the second half of the ball game. But, of course, we've got a lot of other things to talk about here on this wonderful Saturday afternoon. Hopefully, you're enjoying yourself. You're maybe, maybe after your first cup of coffee, you're getting ready to have your first can of a cold one. Hopefully, you're popping a top and enjoying yourself. The Twin Peaks hotline is wide open, 337-706-0111. And, spoiler alert, it'll be all football. Like a teensy tiny bit of baseball and basketball sprinkled in there. But I'll say this, the ratio in terms of how the show runs down, it is about 98% football, and I absolutely love the fact that we're here to talk about it all, and we are getting down to the nitty-gritty later on today. You know, we got a lot of other college football games. Tomorrow, Sunday, 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 the NFL is back, a triple header here on Acadiana Sports Station, and we got tons of football that you're going to be listening to here on Acadiana Sports Station, as well as the Astros. we get got the Astros coming up tomorrow and t- tonight as well with the first game of a two-game set, a very unusual two-game set. And then they have a day off again on Monday. But, you know, that's that's future talk. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty of what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning with the, you guess it, Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. Oh boy, this one is definitely a little bit different than most. I've never been a huge fan of the hot take embrace debate shows, and a big reason why is the personalities. I've got a holy trinity, which I'm probably going to get to one day, of my holy trinity of people I can't stand in sports media. And one of those is, without a doubt, the windbag known as Skip Bayless. So when I saw him say this the other day on the social media gimmicks 
it frustrated me to absolutely no end. When it comes to the quarterback of an NFL team, you know this as well as I, better than I do. It's the ultimate leadership position in sports. Am I right about that? Mm-hmm. You are commanding an entire franchise, and they're all looking to you to be their CEO, to be in charge of the football team. Because of all that, I don't have sympathy for him going public with, I got depressed. I suffered depression early in COVID to the point I can't even go work out. He's the quarterback of America's team. Hearing that statement just absolutely made me sick to my stomach. This was in response to Dak Prescott, who mentioned in an interview that he had suffered depression following his brother taking his own life. And this was also pretty early on in the pandemic. How dare you, Skip Bayless, say that Dak isn't a leader because he's open and out there with his mental health struggles over the summer. I think a lot of us have dealt with that those mental struggles throughout the summer, and probably some of us for a good chunk of our lives. That's okay to admit those things. Think about this. The former Mississippi State Bulldog, by way of Houghton, Louisiana, has gone through more heartbreak and tragedy than a lot of people that I know of off top in his 27 years on this earth. Trust me, I know a whole lot of people have had a whole lot more heartbreak and tragedy in their families. It is tough to kind of go through all that stuff in just 27 years on this planet. His mother passed away from colon cancer back in 2013. I'm sure he dealt with those same kind of thoughts during his sophomore season, especially after he took over the reins from Tyler Russell. I know I would if I was in his shoes, and I'm sure a lot of you would probably feel the same way too if you were dealing with all the stuff that you deal with on a regular basis in terms of being a student athlete. That was something I was definitely kind of interested in to see what the conversations were like when it comes to the mental health discussion amongst SEC players. I talked about it with an SEC Media Days like article I wrote a while back. You can check it out, 1037thegame.com. But admitting you're dealing with depression shouldn't be condemned. The garbage I heard from that windbag, I'm just going to call him that forever, windbag, was a classic example of toxic masculinity and a big reason why I can't stand his existence. And I don't want to say and celebrate people getting fired, but I hope his contract with Fox Sports isn't renewed and they can find someone that has even an ounce of compassion to be part of their Embrace Debate show. Also, the Four Letter Network shouldn't bring him back either. I think he definitely has overstayed his welcome. He's always been controversial his whole career, but I think this takes it to a new low. He's dropped down the bar. In fact, I saw somebody say this on Twitter the other day. How do we now, like, what do you expect from a guy like Skip Bayless, who's continually been kind of like that kind of character? I feel like it's more of a statement of fact that he has found that new low. He has found a new low to say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and say he should be vilified because he's supposed to be the CEO of America's team. He shouldn't be talking about these kind of things. I think this stuff should be talked about. It's time for honest conversation when it comes to the future of sports, just country and worldwide. This should be talked about. Mental health is something that's absolutely not talked about enough. It's one thing to say that kind of vitriol, and it makes me, me and probably several others who have dealt with mental health issues in their life sick to their stomach. It's a whole different monster to just double down and say something that proves he's just a ballless, gutless prick. I, I absolutely cannot stand this guy already, and I'm already done with him. I, I could care less. Hopefully, 
Nobody ever watches this show again. Because he doubled down on Friday, never not apologizing. In fact, kind of doubling down on that statement, making him look even more like an ass. And I had the fact that he had right below that a lower third graphic that basically was saying the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, call this number if you're going through some troubles. That's the right way to handle it if you're Fox Sports. But Skip Bayless should have just apologized rather than doubling down. I can tell you right now, I think a lot of us here have dealt with depression one way or another in the past. And for me, it'll pop back up every now and again. For the most part, it's for me not being good enough. It's it's just always, it seeps into my head every now and again. And it's definitely popped up a lot over the last couple years. You can, I can be put over by a ton of people, and then just one day those thoughts seep in, and it eats at you for a good while. I'm so damn grateful. I have a great inner circle of family, friends, and everything in between that has helped me get through a lot of that and made me realize I am. And then that proverbial storm passes, I'm good. The next storm could be coming around, you know, just whatever. And I haven't had those thoughts come through as much over these last few months, but I know that at any given time, those thoughts could seep in. Hell, I dealt with it back in March. People know I was on vacation in the first week of March. Not necessarily much of a vacation. It wasn't a picnic at all because my mom was in the hospital. I was thinking about how that first week or so would have been if I wasn't on vacation because I can remember there was one day in particular where I just was down and out, literally. I just didn't want to leave the house, didn't want to do anything. But I did, and it wound up being the best thing for me because it took my mind off of a lot of the stuff that was going on, and it helped me kind of find my way back to where I was before that day. And there's no way I could have been here mentally if all that happened if I was here at Acadiana Sports Station. I know this is sports radio, but, man, I can't do this show today without starting off talking about this stain on society and the stain on sports media that is the windbag who has no business. Like, honestly, this is sports radio. They do hot take debate. That shouldn't be talked about ever. Like, ever on a sports talk show. But, you know, he wants to bring this up. He wants to talk this mad, you know what? It frustrated me to no end. So, you know what? The man got my anger to start off the show. I mentioned earlier that, you know, Admitting you have mental health issues is not a bad thing. You know, honestly, you shouldn't be condemned for it. You should be celebrated and embraced and be able to have that conversation with people in your life. Because if you don't talk about it, it's just going to keep eating out of you and eating out of you and eating at you. Trust me, I've dealt with it. I'm sure a lot of people who have listened or are listening to the station right now probably have dealt with it at one point or another. And you know what? If you want to talk about it, I'm here for you. But I'm just saying, it's an honest discussion that needs to be had, and not just about football players, but worldwide and countrywide. Because I wrote an article a while back, the SEC talked about a lot during their media days last year in Hoover, which was really great. And Every time I bring up SEC media days, I'm so upset about the fact that there's no SEC media days this year, but I understand why why it's not happening. It is what it is. But... I just feel like right here, right now, you know, the conversation needs to be had. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Because, honestly, I don't have a psychology degree. I've dealt with some stuff before, but it's more like, you know, it's something compared to probably what Dak Prescott's brother was dealing with. 
And sure as hell probably isn't what he was dealing with over the summer. I don't... It's frustrating to see somebody like Skip Bayless kind of like vilify somebody who's dealing with mental health issues because he's a team captain. Honestly, I don't want... If, if I were a head coach, I'd much rather somebody like Dak Prescott talk about these situations and these feelings that he's having rather than bottle them up all the time. Because you know what that's going to tell me about the player and the man? That he's perfectly fine with talking about it. He's secure in himself to be open with that conversation. Hearing somebody like this windbag hate on that is absolutely despicable, deplorable, and every other word you can say in the book and some I can't say on air. But Skip Bayless, you windbag, you got to go. All right, I'm going to get some Tylenol when we come back from break because I am absolutely hot, heated, and we'll try and cool off with a little bit of conversation about what happened on Thursday night, more about what happened on the field. But at the bottom of the hour, Taylor Jenkins of the Pewter Report going to be joining the program at the bottom of the hour. Give us the Bucks' perspective of tomorrow's big game between the Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, of course, we'll liven up the show with a look back to Clyde Edwards-Alaire's phenomenal debut in the NFL. You're listening to Under the Dome at CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. takes the mic it's like a box of chocolates now let's get back to under the dome with cd on acadiana's sports station 1037 the game second down three for the chiefs 1106 to go third quarter 17-7 kansas city ball at the texan 27 they zone block it to the right cut back left run it goes to edward delaire 15 10 5 touchdown Kansas City, C-E-H with T-D-1. Oh, boy, we got a lot to get to. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadia and a Sports Station 103.7 The Game, 103.7thegame.com. We'll get to Clyde Edwards-Alaire's debut in just a little bit, but in the time we took a commercial break, a lot of things have happened, and we start things off with the big news concerning one Dalvin Cook, Minnesota Vikings running back. This is coming from Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network. He has signed, there's no franchise tag situation. Dalvin Cook and the Vikings agreed to a five-year, $63 million extension. That was after 29 career games. Cook locks in over 28 mil guaranteed, a $15.5 million signing bonus. But that's not all. You know, this is a lot like those like uh, Sham Wow commercials, OxyClean, Flex Seal, Flex Tape commercials. But wait, there's more. So you got... The Saints and star running back from Ian Rappaport putting it on the line. Star running back Alvin Kamara. They've reached an agreement. A huge five-year contract worth 75 mil in brand new money. $15 million signing bonus. Cash in. You gotta say, Clutch Sports did the deal and did it right. So Alvin Kamara, I was hoping this would happen. Didn't expect it to happen during my show, but you know, that's what happens when you have a show from 11 to 1. Things happen right when you're going on the air and in between breaks. So basically in the last like two minutes, two and a half minutes since we took a break, we've had news after news after news. 
And then right here, right now, you know, we got the Cajuns in Iowa State currently deadlocked, 0 0. Right here, right now. Cajuns started off. They looked good, but then you saw Levi Lewis on a huge third down and seven get sacked for a loss of four, force him to punt. And then the next drive, more the same. You know, it looked like Brock Purdy was looking good. He doesn't have one of his star tight ends in this ball game, so you saw a lot of passes towards Tariq Milton, Sean Shaw, but then you saw him throw three straight, oh, excuse me, two incompletions to end the drive, and that wound up forcing them to punt. And then it was a three and out for the Cajuns. Levi Lewis struggling right now, only getting like a couple passes off. Let me kind of pull this up right now because I don't remember exactly how many he... He's two for five, only 10 yards in the early going of this contest. Six, 6.02 left in the first quarter. Iowa State has the ball. But, you know, obviously that's something that's going on right now. We'll give you updates throughout the program, which is going to be really cool. Just kind of keeping tabs on all this. On a Louisiana Saturday morning, big news, the Saints got the deal done. If you want to talk about that, 337-706-0111. How excited are you to see Alvin Kamara sign a five-year extension worth $75 million, over $75 mil. You got to think, that's some big money, and that is absolutely huge to get that deal in the day before Saints-Bucks, which we'll talk about in the next segment with Taylor Jenkins, get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers perspective of things. Because i got to say, that's going to be a fun ball game with your boy, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette somewhere in the backfield. But you know that Alvin Kamara is going to be looking to prove that he is worth every bit of that $75 million. He's going to be ready to get censored for radio, paid. He is getting paid on paid on paid. A whole lot of wings coming his way. But now I want to flip over to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He is probably going to be an amazing... His debut was absolutely amazing to see from start to finish. And I knew he was going to be good. I regret not taking him in fantasy. And this is a big reason why I am a Melvin when it comes to fantasy football for the most part. And I got to say, I was blown away how quickly you know some of these guys... Want to be taken over, taken. I didn't expect to see a pickup with like Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round. Oh, big big play just now for the Cajuns. A fumble recovery by, I believe this is going to be, a, but Percy Butler getting the recovery. Hall fumbled from Iowa State, and the Cajuns recover at their own 42. So that's great field position for their third drive. Hopefully, Levi Lewis can start getting that rhythm back. But going back to Clyde Edwards Elair, his absolutely electric performance in the Chiefs 34 to 20 win, just the right opportunity for him to show to show off in a big way on national television in front of millions and millions of players rushing for over 138 yards, 25 carries and a touchdown to boot. Think about this. He's just become the 10th running back in the history of the league to rush for 100 yards and score a touchdown in his first career game. He was the first running back to do so since Saquon Barkley did it in 2018. The only quarterback like above him in recent history, Kareem Hunt. That was his hit debut, which was back in 2017. Shows how much times have changed in the NFL when Kareem Hunt, who wound up putting up more yards in his debut, isn't even being talked about in the conversation because Saquon Barkley did the same thing in his debut in 2018 
And that's a big reason why he was the offensive rookie of the year. And that's why I'm kind of thinking, you know, I talked about it with him, uh, Ben Love the other day, or yesterday, I should say. We were talking about it, and I felt like, you know, book it now. I put it on Twitter as well. Book it now. It's going to be either Clyde Edwards-Alaire or Justin Jefferson being your offensive rookie of the year. In fact, I believe I said that on Saturday. I think those two have every chance to be rookie of the year on the offensive side of the football because of their electric ability. I think there's every chance where I feel like the Kansas City Chiefs were so good already. Now you add a guy like Clyde Edwards-Alaire. This is like Thanos getting the sixth Infinity Stone and putting in the Infinity Gauntlet. Now this team is damn near untouchable. And I can't wait to see what's going to happen with this team going forward with a guy like your boy Clyde Edwards-Alaire, former LSU Tiger and also former Catholic High running back. He was a beast back then, and he's proven himself to be absolutely one of the best players in the league, and he's one game in. And it's so wild to see some of the players that he is kind of in that that world now. You know, Kareem Hunt, Cadillac Williams back in 2005. Remember that name? Cadillac Williams. And you think about it. This is a all-LSU backfield, and they're putting up those kind of numbers. And that's only two of several players on the Kansas City Chiefs roster from LSU. Yeah, they had Eli McGuire, but they wound up releasing him. Now, I know he's with somebody, but I can't remember who it is off top. I know Raymond Calley's with the Rams now, but he's going to be more of a practice squad guy, which is a mistake. I'd love to see, as much as I'm not necessarily a big fan of the Rams, I'd love to see him be part of the special teams unit for the Rams, because I think that's where he specialized the most right here, right now. But hopefully, you know, we see a lot of progress with some of those guys. Because it's great to see, you know, guys like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Joe Bleepin Burrow, the first pick. Can't wait to see what he does on Sunday afternoon. But it's going to be fun to see where the rest of the storyline goes. What happens next for some other former LSU Tigers? where they rank amongst the offensive rookie of the years or rookies of the year, period. And for me, I mentioned it. I'd love to say Joe Burrow. But I think Joe Burrow is going to have some period of time where he is going to struggle, at least early on in the season. I think he has a, he's going to struggle early on this year. But then he'll start to the game will start to slow down for him a good bit. And we see the Joe Burrow that we saw more so late in the year than early on in that 2020 season. So give me Joe Burrow. He's going to wind up probably being a late contender, but it's Clyde Edwards-Alaire or Justin Jefferson's rookie of the year to lose. Yeah, there's a little bias, but you look at the talent they brought to the table at LSU. Tell me that you don't think you'll see the same thing. Kirk Cousins is going to be using him a lot. You just got rid of Stephon Diggs. Now you've got a star. Now you've got an absolute stud, a wide receiver one that could probably be a lot like Michael Thomas for Kirk Cousins, like Mike Thomas was for Drew Brees early on in his career. And then luckily you got Alvin Kamara, and he's also got Dalvin Cook. So you've got two really great weapons that you can choose from your, if you're the Vikings. I think you'll see 
Justin Jefferson, I'm calling it now, he's going to be a 1,100, 1,200-yard 1200 receiving yards year. He's going to be absolutely great at that role. And then he went, he's going to be like second place in the voting. Because I think Clyde Edwards Alaire is going to have a phenomenal year because of the fact he's got that cutback ability. He's got that one cut kind of move to where he can just like break your ankles. I mean, he can probably play basketball right now and, and break some dude's ankles. And I'd love to see that as well. But enough about what happened on Thursday night. We're going to jump over to Sunday afternoon. And trust me, we've got a barn burner for you. I'll give you the details next concerning what's going on with our. Westwood One coverage and so much more involving the sport of the NFL and the triple header we've got on tap for you in a little bit. But in the meantime, and in between time, we're going to get Taylor Jenkins on, talk a little Tampa Bay Bucks ahead of the big game, Saints Bucks. We're going to give you both perspectives, both sides of the ball. Who's out, who's looking good, and a whole lot more. So make sure you're listening in. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. That's me right here on 103.7 The Game. At 1037thegame.com. Appreciate you listening in on this Saturday afternoon. Again, Alvin Kamara signed that $75 million deal. We'll also give you an update about the Cajuns Iowa State game next. considered world famous but he still goes out and eats a shrimp po' boy just like the rest of us just don't talk to him while he's eating lay off me i'm starving now back to under the dome on 1037 the game acadiana's sports station currently still deadlock 0-0 between the cages and iowa state heading into the second quarter and man oh man we got a great one on tap for that one, but we got a great weekend on tap for you involving sports on Acadia and a sports station. We got the Astros and Dodgers taking each other on 707 first pitch, 630 pregame. This will be a nationally televised game. Game got shifted a little bit, but still 707 first pitch. You'll hear that right here on Acadia and a sports station. Then we got a triple header, baby. A triple header for week one football. It all starts with the Seahawks at the Falcons. It's a virtual pick. I'll get to some of those a little bit later on in the program. Then we got Joe Burrow's debut, which you can hear the home call over on News Talk 98.5, but the Chargers and Bengals will be squaring off. That'll be the second game of this doubleheader for the Sports USA side of things. And, of course, you got Sunday Night Football, the Dallas Cowboys, Patna, and then we got the Rams taking on each other. That's going to be a fun one as well. Gets us some more NFL-wide stuff in a little bit, but I think the main event, the main course, the marquee matchup on Sunday that everybody's looking forward to is Drew Brees versus Tom Brady. And now we get over to the Twin Peaks Hotline. Talk with our guy Taylor Jenkins of Pewter Report. Get a little perspective of what's going on with those Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Taylor, how's it going? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. One, we got college football going on right now. And number two, We've got the NFL. It is back. It felt like it was never going to happen, but now we are here. We're getting ready for NFL week number one, and it's going to be a absolutely amazing start to the season with the Saints and Bucks squaring off. How much are you looking forward to this ballgame? I mean, if I wasn't just looking forward to for football in general, I mean, just having that back is something that's, I mean, so exciting. Like you said, it seemed like it would never come, but it's finally here. 
and then you add in this divisional matchup, Bucks and Saints. You got Tom Brady, Drew Brees. I th- it, um, I couldn't be more excited for a Week One game. Oh, I think it's going to be amazing to see what's going on right now with this team, especially the, with what's going on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The first question to ask you is based on the most recent injury report, Mike Evans is going to be doubtful for this contest if he doesn't play. And again, this seems more likely than not he won't play on Sunday. How much of a hit is that for this Tampa Bay offense? Because it feels like Brady would have loved to have that in kind of complimentary to what's going on with Rob Gronkowski and maybe a little Leonard Fournette as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, anytime you're missing Mike Evans and a player of his caliber on the offense, it's going to be a hindrance. Um, weirdly enough, I think within the last hour, the Bucks updated their injury report, very rare for a Saturday, and listed him as questionable. Now, he did miss practice most of the week. He was able to come back in a limited fashion on Friday. He was seen at the indoor facility when the Bucks were holding their walkthrough, catching passes, uh, you know, doing high knees, jogging with the trainers, but still not sure it's going to be a game-time decision whether he's able to go. But, yeah, anytime you lose a player uh, in that capacity – it hurts your offense. And luckily for the Bucks, they do have a lot of offensive weapons still with Rob Gronkowski and O.J. Howard and Cam Brate and Chris Godwin. But outside of that, their wide receivers are largely inexperienced. You've got Scotty Miller, who's going into his second year, spent a lot of last year injured. You've got Justin Watson, who's kind of been largely a special teams player for most of his time in Tampa. He's big, he's strong, but how many snaps has he had at wide receiver? You've got rookie Tyler Johnson, who missed a lot of time here in training camp. So that's going to be tough, and you would think that going up against the Saints, you'd have uh, Mike Evans going against Marshawn Lattimore, and then you can kind of let Janoris Jenkins take care of uh, Chris Godwin for most of the game. But if that if, if Mike Evans can't go, and you and you're able to put Lattimore on Godwin, that's going to be a really tough matchup. But that leaves Janoris Jenkins, someone who has a lot of experience in this league, to largely cover someone that the Bucks are going to deploy out there, who is young or not as experienced, and I think that's going to really be a big impact for the offense for the Bucks. How huge do you think I'm a, Rob Gronkowski is going to be in this game plan for this team? Because I think he, a big reason why he came out of retirement, besides the fact he probably wanted more money, was the fact that he's playing with Tom Brady again. Like, how much do you think he's going to have an impact in week one after a year away from the, a, year, a couple of years away from the league? Um, I know being away from the uh, from the league for a year is kind of a weird situation, but when you look at it, he's probably as healthy as he's been since he enrolled at Arizona. When you take a year off, he's been – we've seen him deal with these injuries and go through surgeries for his whole career. He's such a big physical player, whether that's blocking, whether that's catching the pass you know, and, and making plays downfield. But I think he's going to be heavily involved. Now, I don't know if he's going to be an every-snap guy, given how deep their tight end's room is. I think Cam Brate might be the best – tight end three in the NFL. We know that O.J. Howard is supremely talented, supremely athletic, but I think he's going to be heavily involved. And I think the Bucks are going to run a lot of two tight end sets. They're going to run a lot of 12 personnel. But I think that they want to make sure that he's healthy and on the field for four quarters of 16 games. So while I do think he'll have an impact, I don't think he's going to be taking 90% of the snaps. But I do think he will be on the field enough to make a large impact for this offense. Talk right now with Taylor Jenkins of the Pewter Report. And let's look at the quarterback. I mean, the, the ageless wonder that is Tom Brady. He's been looking good all throughout the offseason. What can you say about how he's looked in training camp and his preparation heading into this ballgame? 
I mean, one thing you know about Tom Brady is he's going to prepare like like no one else. I mean, this is just such a marquee matchup of Drew Brees and Tom Brady, and we've seen these guys do it for like 20 years. Almost my whole life we've seen these guys excel in the NFL, but the difference is Tom Brady is playing under someone new, which we've never seen. So you know he's going to prepare well, and he's looked great in practice, but with such an abbreviated offseason, with no preseason games to go in there, and really the only live uh, experience he has in this Bucks offense is a couple of live scrimmages and some live two-minute periods, some live four-minute periods in practice. So, I mean, as, as confident as you want to be in him, just from being Tom Brady and knowing how he prepares and knowing how he approaches the game, but it's still a wild card. It's a roll of the dice. You probably know, even without preseason, what you're going to get from Drew Brees. He's not, he's, he has an offensive line that's good. He's got an offense that he's been around you know, with the exception kind of Emmanuel Sanders, but he's got a coach he's been under for years. So all of those things, they, they, they stay consistent for him. And that's really what Tom Brady is losing, coming to the Bucks and leading the Patriots for the first time in his career. And, you know, Taylor, one of the other big kind of moves over the last week or so involving the Tampa Bay Bucks was getting former LSU Tiger and also former Jacksonville Jaguar Leonard Fournette do you see him being a factor at all in week one? Obviously, Ronald Jones is going to be your starting running back. Could you see a package involving him in this ballgame? Because I think that's one of the big things that Leonard Fournette's been wanting to do for his whole career is play inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, be it fans, no fans, what have you. How much of an opportunity do you think there's going to be to see him have a role with this team in an offensive Do you see him playing in that ballgame tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely see him playing. I absolutely see him having a, a significant role in that offense. I do think Ronald Jones um, is going to be the starter. Um, Bruce Arians has said time and time again, he's our guy. But I do think Leonard, there's a spot for Leonard Fournette. And I think you're going to see, despite Ronald Jones maybe taking 50% of the carries or more, I think that LaShawn McCoy has a valid spot in this offense carved out for him. I think um, it would be the same thing with Leonard Fournette. I think you're going to see him used. I think he's going to be on the field relatively frequently. And I think that Bruce Arians likes to find a back with the hot hand. And last year it was a little more difficult when you have Peyton Barber and you have Ronald Jones. You're a little more limited at the position. But now with all of these names and Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette and Shady McCoy and a new rookie in Keyshawn Vaughn, I'm not sure how much he'll play, but I definitely think there's a spot for him in this offense and he will have a significant role carved out for tomorrow. I absolutely feel like he is going to have that role etched out for him in 2020 and seeing what he can wind up doing. And, you know, it's a lot like – I feel like his contract deal right now with the Bucks is a lot like what we're seeing right now with the former Bucks QB, Jameis Winston. It's a one-year kind of prove-it deal to show us, hey, you know, show show the Bucks as well as the rest of the NFL that, hey, he's over some of the issues that he's had with the Jags. Cause there, was so, there was a lot of stuff going on with the Jaguars – and the front office and everything in between, it feels like he just did not click well with them. How huge is this year for him, having this extra opportunity, the second chance to be in the NFL? Yeah, I think it's massive. And I think what, what Fournette is going to benefit from the most is if you look at how often he played with a stacked box in Jacksonville. And when guys are know, know you're running the ball and they can put seven, eight guys in the box and stuff to run against, no matter who you are, even if, I mean, unless maybe you're Adrian Peterson, it's really tough to be productive in that way, and he was still productive. So I think when you come to an offense like the Bucks, where you have all of these weapons that you can split outside, 
Godwin, Evans, Scotty Miller, O.J. Howard, these guys with so much speed and so much ability to spread the defense out, it, it can only help him coming to an offense like this where he's not going to be facing a stacked box 70, 75% of his snaps. Talking now with Taylor Jenkins of the Pewter Report. Now let's just look at the defensive side of the football. Who do you think is going to be, have to step up in this contest to help give the Bucks an edge here? Well, it's really interesting because you know what the Bucks have in their front seven. They have, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, led the league in sacks last year, and Dominican Sue, longtime veteran in the league, still productive, right next to Vita Vea. Behind them, you have Levante David, who one of the premier linebackers in the league, and Devin White next to him, who's looking like he's on his way to being a player like that. But behind them, when you get to the defensive secondary, I think that's where it's really going to be what the Bucks' defense hinges on and what it relies on. Because at cornerback, you've got a very, very young trio of Carlton Davis, who's now entering his third year in the league, and behind him, Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting, who while the group had a phenomenal end of the season and were one of the league's best cornerback units over the past seven games in 2019, are still so young. And if they're able to step up and play like they did down the stretch last year, I think they could be a, a fierce defense, just, I mean, really dangerous for opposing teams to go against. But if they slide back and if they regress, it could once again be a thorn in the buck side, like their defensive secondary has been for five, six years at this point. And on top of that, you've got Jordan Whitehead, a fourth-year player now at strong safety, but across from him, a rookie, Antoine Winfield. And rookies, we see it with Tristan Wirfs for the Bucks. We see it with Antoine Winfield for the Bucks. It's going to be interesting to see how they're able to step in and play in week one with this abbreviated offseason, with no training, or with limited training camp, with no preseason games. So, kind of to answer your question, I really think the Bucks' defense boils down to can their defensive secondary step up to an offense that's got Michael Thomas, almost unguardable, can't guard Mike, right? And yep. Emmanuel Sanders and Jared Cook and see how they can go up because they're really going to be tested early. Alright, we got a couple more here for you. And it's, I'm just going to go ahead and throw these out rapid fire. Prediction for tonight's for tomorrow's game? And more importantly, what do you think about the Bucks season in general? I think the Bucks have a, a really strong season. I mean, I know there's a lot of question marks, but with the talent on paper, I pick them going 11-5, and five, but I do think it is a very tough ask, even with no fans in that loud Superdome, to march into New Orleans and take down Drew Brees and Sean Payton and all the talent they have on that roster. So I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. But I've got the Bucks going 11-5 and five on the season, but dropping tomorrow's game 30-27. Man, Taylor, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, man. It's always a great time. It's always great just to talk about an actual game going on rather than talk about the hypotheticals, right, Taylor? That is so right. I appreciate it again, man. Absolutely. Have a great day. All right, that was Taylor Jenkins, part of the Pewter Report. And it's just so great to talk about no more hypotheticals, no more this, no more that. We are talking about actual games with actual players and actual wins, losses on the line. I am just absolutely loving it. Hopefully you are as well. And, of course, quick update involving the big game going on right now between the Cajuns and Iowa State. It's still nothing-nothing. Iowa State has the ball right now at the Cajuns' 46-yard line with nine minutes left after they converted a fourth down a little while ago off a little quarterback sneak well done by Iowa State. Cajuns had a chance. They were third and goal and decided to run a couple jet sweeps, which is 
Probably something that needs to hit the bricks. And speaking of that, we'll do that to end hour number one next. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Numbers don't lie, because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. And they spell disaster for you as sacrifice. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037, The Game. Welcome back Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037, The Game, and 1037thegame.com. And the Cajuns will be deep in their own territory, starting at the Louisiana 12, at their own 12-yard line after forcing a punt after a drop pass by Sean Shaw. But now it's time to do something I'd love to do each and every Saturday. Then again, I love doing this show each and every Saturday. We're going to get to hit the bricks. And what needs to hit the bricks this week? There's a lot of things that frustrates the famous CD on a daily basis. I got a lot of problems with you people. Let's let the man breathe and tell you what needs to hit the bricks. Oh, we got a lot of things to say that need to hit the bricks. And first things first, we need to get to Daniel House of the Houston Rockets. Buddy, you are the first one to hit the bricks. Hit the bricks, pal. We got to talk about hitting the bricks. And how can you not wait a couple days? Because you know you're getting eliminated from the NBA playoffs. How can you not just wait a couple days to go get some tail, bro? You need to just sit back, relax, and wait a little bit before bringing somebody into the bubble that wasn't allowed to be in the bubble to be in your hotel room for hours. Again, you can take, you can make your own estimations of what was going on inside that hotel room, hotel, motel, Holiday Inn. Definitely wasn't Holiday Inn, by the way, but Daniel House, hit the bricks, pal. Hit the bricks, pal. Then we go to Memphis football. You got to hit the bricks on this one. Hit the bricks, pal. A party bus in the middle of a pandemic. 30 players test positive for COVID-19, and now the Memphis game today is postponed due to COVID-19. You deserve to hit the bricks for that one. How can you not make that right decision to not go out and party in the middle of a pandemic? Come on, bro. Hit the bricks, pal. And then we get to Joe Kelly and Scott Miller of Bleacher Report. There's a feature article right now called MLB Hates Me. Joe Kelly is the hero we need. First of all, Scott Miller, you are a tool for putting that headline out there and boy is it should this should be considered borderline pornography consider how much this strokes the ego of the holier than thou los angeles dodgers and joe kelly and then there's this quote from kelly that makes me realize how much of a punk that he really is quote because if i hit somebody i might be banned from the game mlb hates me i just got to play my game i think i've ruffled enough feathers yeah you have you're a punk that's why people don't like you you're not going to get banned for baseball if you hit somebody accidentally. But you don't throw at somebody's head. I am tired of Joe Kelly's existence. Hit the bricks. Hit the bricks, pal. Hit the bricks, pal. Hit the bricks, pal. Give you three of them. Hit the bricks. Get the hell out of here. Junior Gillette, get the hell out of here. Hit the bricks. Hit the bricks, pal. Remember earlier in the week, Junior Gillette was saying, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm coming back to NOLA, baby. Coming home. He ain't coming home. He can stay the hell where he's at. Leave the strap at home. Just go ahead and, and chill, relax, kick back and relax. Hit the bricks. Don't go out to the beach, not only because of COVID times, but more importantly, just go ahead and take it easy. 
and go do your own thing. Hit the bricks, pal. And that's about all I got for hitting the bricks. Also, you know, why not just throw a bonus? Jet Sweep plays. He hit the bricks. Hit the bricks, pal. Just, just because. That is a play that just needs to go away. Remove that from all Louisiana teams' playbooks. It just does not work. The end of round, got to go. It got to go. But you know what? I got to go and get out of here. Wrap up hour number one. Hour two coming up in just a little bit. We're going to talk about the NFL, college football around the state, and also around the Sun Belt. There's just some big news concerning a Georgia Southern game coming up in a little bit. I'll talk about that next. You listen to Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. Oh, that feels so good. A couple weeks away from that actually starting, but no better time than now just to play that song right here, right now. Get you hyped up on a Saturday afternoon with football going down right now. And currently Cajuns trailing Iowa State 7-0 that they just scored right before we came back from break. That was a one-yard touchdown run by Kenny. I'm going to mispronounce this. I'm going to butcher the hell out of this. But why the hell not? Kine Ungaku, hopefully I pronounced that right. I probably didn't, especially that last name. But he scored a touchdown to give the Iowa State Cyclones a 7-0 lead late in the second quarter. Currently with 428 left in the first half. Cajuns down 7-0. But of course, hopefully you have a great Saturday. We are coming to you live from the 103.7 Game Studios. Baby, we're looking good. And we appreciate you listening in, however you're doing, so be it through the FM dial. This is where the power lies. The free 103.7 The Game mobile app, be it iPhone, Android, just make sure to download it. It is absolutely free. Just search 103.7 The Game. And then also, you know, we got the smart speakers. Just tell your smart speaker to play at 103.7 The Game, be it Amazon Alexa, Google Home, however you do so. I appreciate you listening in and make it a great Saturday. Hopefully, you've been popping a top. Enjoying what's going on in the world of college football. And, of course, this is the best sports talk show in all of Acadiana on a Saturday morning. Of course, it's Acadiana's number one sports station. And you know what that means. And i got to be the best of them all. That just cut and dried. I'm the best. Whether you like it or not, you're looking at woo, the greatest, the best-looking man, the best-dressed man, long limousines. Jet airplanes, custom-made clothes, and any woman in the world I want. 
just like that. And I gotta say, it's gonna be a great Saturday. A lot of things going on. Talk with Ross Jackson. I am just, I'm, I'm even more amped than usual. To talk to Ross. One because we got a game to talk about, and two, the big news: Alpha Camara signs a monster seventy-five million dollar deal. He is the seventy-five million dollar man. He's feeling like Ted DiBiase. So we're gonna talk to our guy Ross Jackson at the bottom of the hour at twelve thirty. But man, we got we got a lot of stuff to get to. Obviously, Cajuns Iowa State. Underway right now, 7 nothing with 428 left. Iowa State has the lead over the Cajuns. And then you got UL Monroe Army. They'll be kicking off in a half hour. And the Warhawks, I believe the line actually just jumped up even more. I believe it was like 20-something point spread right now. Per, I'm going to try and make sure to confirm this. I believe either Trey Mongru, Adam Hunsucker, somebody said that this was going to actually change. I'm going to go ahead and confirm this again. This is Army, the vaunted triple option offense, and the money that was being thrown out. I'm going to go ahead and pull up Yule Monroe line and see if that has changed. Yule Monroe plus 23.5 point dogs. Whopping. Woof. I definitely would take him out Army covering that spread. I think we see Army and that vaunted offense really go off here later today. Another game later today is Tulane at South Alabama. The Green Wave currently favored by 11 points. And South Alabama has been kind of like a weirdly, like consistently inconsistent team. A couple years ago, they beat Troy after they beat LSU and then just absolutely sucked the rest of the way, and then they fired their head coach. Things haven't necessarily been a consistent like growth with that program. So I think Tulane's going to win that one as well. The only other game involving a team from in-state is La Tech at Baylor. That was postponed due to, you guessed it, COVID. I was throwing a little shade, a little hit the bricks towards Memphis football, but, you know, with LaTeX Baylor, it's a different situation because you have several players tested positive for COVID. In fact, they were all kind of huddled together in mass due to the Hurricane Laura that was hitting a couple weeks ago. Especially, it hit hard in like Lake Charles and stuff like that, but also hit pretty hard over in Ruston as well. So they were all kind of huddled together, making sure they were okay because, again, it was still a pretty strong. Hurricane as it made its way up to North Louisiana. But looking around the Sun Belt, I think that's where the intrigue lies. And it lies in two games you don't necessarily think about. Charlotte App State, App State's leading that one right now. No surprise there. Arkansas State, Kansas State playing. I believe they're going on right now. I don't know what the score is. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Chris Smith. I talked about it on Ben's show yesterday. Chris Smith just scored a 95-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Big ups to him. I said he was going to be a big breakout star in this ballgame, but you know I didn't expect him to do that. I did not expect him to do that, but it was really cool. So big ups to the sophomore, Chris Smith. He's getting it done in the kick return game, tying this bad boy up, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So now I'm all in on this game again. But the two games that hold a lot of interest to me, at least, in terms of the storylines, it's got to be Texas State hosting UTSA. It's the first year. You don't have Frank Wilson running things over there, which Caves would have played him last week, playing UL Big State with Frank Wilson there because he's a good guy. Frank Wilson, friend of the program. But rumor and any window is saying that the Bobcats quarterback, Brady McBride, isn't going to play in the contest, and Jaron Morris was reportedly out as well. This is going to be their star cornerback. But that wound up getting debunked. I wound up seeing some rumors as I was pulling into the game studios. And I'm absolutely 
just blown away by what was going on there. But here's the one thing that I was absolutely blown away by, and that is what's going on with the inactive list for Georgia Southern. Just Georgia Southern. So I'm going to go ahead and run this list down. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33. 35 players all inactive for the Georgia Southern Eagles. I'm not going to get through all the names because I feel like I could make a Yakko's World reference and just basically go through them all like Gavin Adcock, Darian Anderson, Mason Bebe, and then you got him, uh, Daryl Baker Jr., Rob Bozeman, Tony Dinkins McCall, all kinds of different names. You got so many players who are inactive for that contest. Who boy, Georgia Southern, the Statesboro Blues are a calling right now. A massive, actually, excuse me, it's 33 players all listed as inactive for Georgia Southern. I haven't seen a new line for that yet. I'm going to kind of go through the place that I like to look at what's going on with the odds. And the Odd Sharks, what they're all saying right now involving that game, because it's definitely it definitely should be a different spread now. Campbell, excuse me, not Campbell. It is a South Alabama. I completely forget who they're playing right now. Yeah, Georgia Southern. It's a thirty-four and a half point spread. Georgia Southern Campbell, and they lost thirty-three players, including a pretty damn good running back in Gerald Green. I remember him from last year. He was pretty darn good in that game against the Cajuns, where the Cajuns looked like they had control of that, and they kind of let the foot off the brakes a little bit. Well, love it. Junior is going to be out for that contest as well. A quarterback, several offensive linemen. Like pretty much your entire offensive line, it looks like. You've got one, two, three, four offensive linemen just on its own. Then you've got a lot of defensive linemen. you got two quarterbacks who are going to be out for this contest as well. It's like you might as well surrender. But I wouldn't be surprised if that if that spread goes way, way down before things are all said and done. But again, blown away by that one. Those two are going to be the most intriguing. Arkansas State, K-State, eh, it's kind of like, do you really care who winds up coming away with a win there? I like Arkansas State. The football team has a lot of moxie and potential. Right now they're currently down 14-7 in, early in the second quarter. It's so great to kind of go through a little scoreboard update for you on a Saturday morning when we got actual sports going on right now. Hopefully you're enjoying it. Hey, the Twin Peaks hotline is open, 337-706-0111. If you want to drop your predictions for the NFL season, who you think is going to go to the Super Bowl, or anything else in particular, fantasy football advice, you know, anything, you can hit me up, 337-706-0111. But again, kind of keeping tabs on what's going on with the Cajuns game. We get to some NFL picks in a little bit because there's a lot of games going on right that I'd be going on tomorrow that I'm intrigued by. Somebody based off the spreads alone. I've got a couple locks and bold predictions for those games. I'm gonna end the show off with my Saints prediction for the season. I put it all on wax. I gave you my prediction they were gonna win the South, but I can give you an exact record where I see this team going. I'm gonna break it out and break out maybe a couple bold predictions as well, just so I can get roasted whenever I am completely wrong. That's what I'm here for. Hopefully every great Saturday, it's Under the Dome with CD. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout because I want to give myself enough time to get to all of the spreads and all of the games going on tomorrow. I'm not going to get to get some of the Monday Night Football games as well, but I'm not going to get as deep into it. 
He's, there's still a lot of things that could be changing. But, of course, we got a triple header of NFL football here on 103.7 The Game. Basically, it's all kind of gets started at noon with a really fun ball game, Seattle-Atlanta. I get to that's where I'm going to probably start off at because that's probably the most intriguing matchup. Seattle at the Falcons, Week One matchup. They get the Chargers Bengals game, which you also hear on News Talk 98.5. You want to hear the local call of the Cincinnati Bengals all season long? News Talk 98.5, 15:20 a.m. is where you need to be. But you also hear the national call of Joe Burrow's first ever game right here on Acadiana Sports Station. So that's gonna be really cool taking on the Los Angeles Chargers and Tara Taylor. Justin Herbert, not quite ready for prime time just yet. And then we got Sunday Night Football. The Cowboys taking on those Rams. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. We're going to take a quick timeout. Back with more of Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Fuel Manchester United, suppose. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. Well, I mean, we got some soccer going on. The English Premier League opened up today, and I'm absolutely looking forward to that, along with everything going on in the world of actual football here stateside. But in case you were wondering, if you wound up not seeing any soccer going on, I'm a Arsenal beat Fulham earlier today, 3-0. Crystal Palace beat Southampton, 1-0. But Liverpool-Leeds United is an absolute battle right now. 3-2, Liverpool takes the lead over Leeds at the half. But, of course, I'm a, the team that everybody roots for, at least to me, isn't playing just yet. And, of course, that's going to be on Saturday 11.30. Boy, I've got to do a lot of multitasking for next week's show because we got the Red Devils, Manchester United. That's right. We got Manchester United next Saturday and the Cajuns starting at 11 a.m. So I'll be kind of double-checking everything, give you more updates about what's going on with the Cajuns and Georgia Southern. But, you know, we got the Cajuns Iowa State right now still tied 7-7 with four minutes and seven seconds left until half. They just had a holding penalty that pushed them back a good bit. And then they had a pass completion on second and 19 for 15 yards out of bounds. Sean Shawwin, who's definitely become the name of the day. Only two receptions, but he's definitely been targeted quite a bit. His name's popped up quite a bit in the play-by-play that I've seen every time I go look at it. But hopefully you're enjoying this Saturday. And, of course, we got college football going on today, but tomorrow is where the real meat and potatoes lie because it's the official opening weekend of the NFL. Week one underway. And I looked at the spreads, broke it down here. I'm going to give you my picks for all of the games going on this Sunday and Monday. If only I could bet on those. You know, Louisiana, get it together. Let's get some sports betting going on because that would make a ton of money. Maybe not quite as much as Alvin Kamara, but trust me, we're going to have quite a bit of great stuff going on. So 
first off, we got to go with Green Bay, Minnesota. The Vikings currently three and a half point favorites. To me, I think Minnesota gets the win. And my bold prediction for that ball game: Justin Jefferson, 100 yards receiving, two touchdowns. And Iowa State just scored 11 yard touchdown run by Brees Hall, wrapping up a nice seven play, 69 yard drive. Now we got Iowa State extra point pending. Going to be up probably 14 nothing before too long. And then you got an AFC contest, AFC East at that. Tua Tungavialoa, how's he going to look in week one with the Dolphins taking on the New England Patriots? The 305 up five and a half points. They're the favorites right now in this one. I don't know what's going on with that spread. I think I'd probably put an upset here. Pats win? I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they want to winning by like a touch. I think they win, win by a touchdown here. But Miami New England being a five and a half point favor for the Dolphins is very weird. And in fact, I believe the the Dolphins are going to be the road team because usually whenever they're at home, they can beat the Patriots. But I think the Patriots are going to win, and you can see Cam Newton get his first win, not in the Panthers unit. And then we get Chicago Detroit, a virtual pick in between kind of the bottom of the barrel teams. Chicago Detroit. Bears currently one point favorite. It's again virtual pick 'em. I gotta go with Dab I gotta go man, it's tough. I wanna go Dab Bears, but I'm gonna go Detroit. I'm gonna go ahead and go with the Lions. Mitch Trubisky needs to prove a lot here. And maybe just maybe they realize he's not that good. They put Nick Foles in down the road, but I still feel like Detroit Rock City is the way to go. Detroit Lions win that one. And then you got the Seattle Seahawks taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Seahawks one and a half point favorites in this one. I take the Seahawks. I, I I think they are going to roll in this one. If you want to give us your picks on some of the games this week, give us your picks to click, some locks of the week, give it to me right now, 337-706-0111. The Twin Peaks hotline is open, my friends. But again, Seattle-Atlanta, I'm surprised it's a one-and-a-half point spread. I think Atlanta has struggled a lot getting things done in free agency, Outside of getting Todd Gurley, but Todd, you don't know what kind of Todd Gurley you're going to get. Are you going to get the Todd Gurley that was absolutely a beast his first couple of years? Are you going to get the Todd Gurley from Georgia? Are you going to get the Todd Gurley that we saw post-Super Bowl? That's a real million-dollar question. I'd probably give Seattle a significant edge. I think they've improved a lot in free agency, getting that offensive line short up, getting rid of Jimmy Graham a couple of years ago was a great move, and now we're starting to see the Seahawks really start to click at this point in time, and I think they are going to be a dark horse to win the NFC West in my mind. I have them picked. I, I pegged them last week as winning the NFC West, so for me, Seattle wins that one. Philly versus Washington. I think Philly wins this one. Eagles are currently a six-point favorite in that contest. I just feel like Washington, the football team, has a lot of questions. And I think it's a lot of it has to do with your starting QB. I think you know Dwayne Haskins isn't necessarily the answer but who else are you going to put out there is the real billion-dollar question. So I think that's going to be a win. Indy versus Jacksonville. Indy's currently a seven-point favorite. How is this spread not higher? I'd probably put it as like a 13.5-point spread, if not more. Indy runs away with this game. Jacksonville's tanking for Trevor and trying to figure out how to rebuild their franchise. Jacksonville is going to suck this year. So Duval is going to be doo-doo and give me... Indy, run away with the contest. How is that spread not higher? That's one thing I'm just blown away by. And one spread, I'm surprised is double digits, is Cleveland versus Baltimore. Year two with OBJ and Jarvis Landry being the key targets for 
Baker Mayfield. So hopefully we see something going on there. But again, Ravens, 10-point favorites in that contest. I think the Ravens do win, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little backdoor cover action, the Browns cover in that contest. So if you're betting on that, if you're actually able to go to Mississippi, go put some ducats on it. Again, Louisiana, get it together. Start legalizing sports betting. Just saying. I'd say Ravens win, but Browns cover. I'd give, I'd go, I'd take the Browns to cover that contest. Las Vegas versus Carolina is going to be a virtual pick 'em. One point favorite are the Raiders. I'll go with Carolina. I consider that almost, I consider that a virtual lock. Carolina wins this one. I think we see Teddy Bridgewater show off what he can do with a lot of different weapons like DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. Run CMC is going to be an absolutely huge part of this offense. Because like you don't have a true like Greg Olson type in the tight end position. And also, maybe I'm just thinking about this from petty fantasy perspective. I want DJ Moore and your boy Christian McCaffrey to get it done because I picked both of those guys in my draft this past Wednesday. I actually wound up tripling up and going with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. And also I got Jared Goff at quarterback. I'll get to that a little bit later. So Carolina wins that one. Again, that's a virtual pick them. Raiders one-point favorite. Chargers against Cincy. Chargers three-and-a-half-point favorites. Give me the dogs on this one, and I'm talking about those Cincinnati Bengals, Ohio versus everyone here. Give me the Bengals and Burrow getting the win. And by the way, you can hear the local call in terms of Cincy Radio over on News Talk 98.5 at 1520 a.m. And also, you can hear the action. If you want a national perspective, thanks to Sports USA, we got you right here on Acadia to Sports Station. So, yeah, no excuse not to listen, not to turn down the TV, turn up the radio, and listen to the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Los Angeles Chargers with Terod Taylor, not Justin Herbert. He's nowhere near ready for prime time yet. I still don't. I still think that was a huge mistake to get him with their pick. But what are you going to do? You want up losing out on Philip Rivers, your longtime QB, who's going to Indianapolis, and they retire to go be a coach in Alabama. And then you've got Arizona-San Francisco. Four-and-a-half-point favorites of Niners are or as Kevin Foote likes to call them, the cheaters. Give me the 49ers win that one. But it's going to be close. I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona covers the spread. Because seeing the Cardinals year two, Cliff Kingsbury is going to be a damn good coach. And Kyler Murray is going to be much improved. You have New Hopkins. You have the Ageless Wonder and Larry Fitzgerald. You only have so much more time with Larry Fitzgerald, the Ageless Wonder. Give me that matchup over anything right now. I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to be a really much improved team. They won't be towards the bottom of the NFC West, and they make it a lot more competitive in this division with a San Francisco team that's going to be having a Super Bowl hangover year. And you got Seattle that's going to be moving on up to the east side or the west side, I should say, in that division. It's going to, and then the Rams are going to be probably towards the bottom in my book just because I feel like there's a lot of questions surrounding them. But speaking of those Rams... The Dallas Cowboys and the Los Angeles Rams. Cowboys are currently two-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm going to go with the underdog on this one, and I'm probably going to hate myself in the morning for it, but you know what? I'm putting it on wax right now. I think the Rams win this one. I think we see Jared Goff have a late touchdown pass to Cooper Cup, and it builds a lot of good faith amongst a lot of different people. And we see them, yeah, Cooper Cup, they just signed to a three-year extension, by the way, three-year, $48 million extension. Just saw that pop up on the wire, so if you were wondering what was going on with him, and again, this is maybe coming from a little bit of a fantasy perspective. I want to see the Rams put together a great performance. 
because I've got Jared Goff starting. I've got Cooper Cup, and I've got Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby, I'm really hoping he has a big game because he's going to be my tight end. And I wasn't necessarily sure I was going to wind up getting a solid tight end, and hopefully the Rams prove me wrong on my prediction of being of me picking them as like towards the bottom. Jared Goff just doesn't intrigue me a whole lot, but I was seeing a lot of like start and sits, and every the consensus was to start. You know, Jared Goff over Teddy Bridgewater. I've been jumping around on that. I'm probably going to still start Jared Goff in my fantasy league. Then we got the Monday Night Doubleheader. Pittsburgh, New York Steelers are actually three-point favorites. I'm surprised that it's not higher because I think the New York Giants are still going to suck in year two with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is going to have a hard time adjusting to being the guy, and I think the Steelers win that one and win it handily. Now we get to the main event. I'm surprised. Tennessee-Denver, Broncos three-point favorites. The Lions got to shift by Monday in my mind because I think Tennessee is really good overall. And you've heard me enough kind of talk all kinds of trash about the Tennessee Titans overpaying for Ryan Tannehill. you still got Derrick Henry. I think they have every chance to wind up winning this one open up the season. And the fact that Von Miller is out for the year, with an ankle injury, losing one of your top defenders for the season is going to be absolutely a crushing blow for that franchise. And I think we see Tennessee win this one. I'm surprised Broncos are three-point favorites. Those odds should shift sooner rather than later. Hopefully, it's going to be a good ball game nonetheless. All right, it's under the dome with CD. When we come back, we're going to get back into the Saints talk. Notice I left them out. They're actually going to be a fun ball game to watch tomorrow. Saints are currently favored one of the first times in a long time. Tom Brady hasn't been favored, but of course, we got other things to talk about involving the New Orleans Saints where the guy Ross Jackson locked on Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles. We'll get to that next right here on 1037 the game and 1037 the game.com. Most sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Stage 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And of course, that's what I'm a, Alvin Kamara is probably bumping in his playlist right now because he is getting paid $75 million over five years. We'll get to that in a minute. But of course, the Cajuns Iowa State are playing each other right now. We just got to halftime. So this will be the last update I have in terms of live stuff going on. 1410 Iowa State, Cajuns. Got a last-second field goal in just before time expired. Nate Snyder redeeming himself from earlier, missing a field goal with a 30-yard field goal attempt. Mind you, I couldn't make a field goal attempt to save my life, so I'm not going to hate on the guy for missing a field goal from 27 yards out earlier in the second quarter. But now we get to the Twin Peaks hotline. Talk to a guy who always gets it through the uprights. Our guy Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles. Ross, what's going on, brother? Hey, brother, doing very well. Thank you as always uh, for having me on. Always a pleasure to speak with you. We got a lot going on today, man. The top of the NFL season's here. It's all very exciting. 
Oh, it's absolutely exciting. Add the fact that we get the big news today. It finally happened. We were waiting like forever for this to finally happen. Saints running back Alvin Kamara agreed to a contract extension, five years, $75 million. How huge is that to get this before game time? And it's like you got that and the Dalvin Cook deal like back-to-back. So needless to say, it's been a busy Saturday and a great Saturday for running backs. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you look at uh, Alvin Kamara's deal coming out just after Dalvin Cook. I don't know how much the two had to do with one another because according to Nick Underhill, the uh, extension for Alvin Kamara has essentially been done since Wednesday and uh, you know just kind of had to iron out some of the final contractual details, dot in the I's, crossing the T's, all that good stuff. And so, you know, things finally get it done after what was really a tumultuous couple of weeks of news surrounding this potential extension. We went from you know, a week of this being very close to all of a sudden, you know, the Saints were open to trading him to, you know, the Twitter storm that followed that to it being extremely close for about another week. And finally, uh, Saints fans can sort of rest their heads comfortably that Alvin Kamara is uh, with the Saints now through 2025. And this is great for the Saints because now post Drew Brees, which we expect to start as soon as the 2021 season, whoever that quarterback is uh, under Cesar Ruiz or Eric McCoy behind center for the Saints, is going to be throwing the ball to Offensive Player of the Year 2019, Michael Thomas, and 2017, Offensive Rookie of the Year, uh, Alvin Kamara is going to line up right behind him. So it's a great spot to be in for any quarterback that may be interested in the job. It's absolutely huge, Ross. You can about imagine, like, this is so great. And I have to thank you because of the fact that you were one of the people that was saying, you know, just sit back, relax, and wait to see how this whole thing turns out. Because I think you were you were the one person that was seeing where cooler heads truly prevailed yeah absolutely i mean like the the fact of the matter and, and you know we've talked about this before but just to sort of go over it for anybody that you know would would need to hear it for next time because these types of things will continue to happen you're going to hear news about teams that are in contract negotiations with players coming off of rookie contracts of that team being open to trading that player and it, it's not one of those things that equates that team is shopping and has the intent of sending that player away it's simply one of those situations where if you lose a player off of a rookie contract in the offseason and then they sign somewhere, you get a compensatory pick for them, but not until the draft following the draft that you're coming up to. So had the Saints not been able to get this extension done, and then let's fast forward to the end of the 2020 season, some team signs Alvin Kamara away on a big contract, they would get at best a third-round pick from 2022's draft which is not really all that great. <laughs> and so if you look at what they were, what, what this really looks like, which is the sort of ability to shop away a player so that they can lock up something a bit more substantial in return for them. But really, the entire goal moving forward here was, and the first priority for the Saints was to get Alvin Kamara signed, and they found a way to do that. And yes, it's a five-year, $75 million contract, which averages out to up to $15 million per year, which is big. For a running back, but you have to consider as well what Alvin Kamara gives you as a running back, as a receiver in the receiving game, and even as a returner to some extent as well. He is somebody that is really an all-around weapon for this team. All right, let's have some fun here for a minute before we kind of get into some of the stuff going on with tomorrow's game. Was there any truth even remotely close to uh, your boy Junior Gallet coming back to the Saints? <laughs> Absolutely not. Junior Gallette I use as sort of the barometer for when Saints Twitter has gone too far. Um, <laughs> for me, <laughs> once Junior Gallette gets involved in anything, it's time to put the phones down, Saints Twitter, just chill out for a little bit. If you don't move, he won't see you. 
and he'll go away. It, it, it's, it's, he's kind of the barometer for me. So even when we look back at the Jadavion Clowney news, which got really wild really quickly with all of the turmoil around, is he going to sign, is he not going to sign, where is he going, we don't know. Even then, he was out there referring to himself in third person, letting everybody know, Junior, what's better? That's when we put the phones down, we back away. But, yeah, he put out that tweet yesterday, Nola, I'm coming home, who that, you know, hashtag who that, or whatever it was. And uh, Kat Terrell reached out to a source and asked about whether or not this signing was happening. And she reported that the answer she got back was simple and plain, no, this was never going to happen. I'm really thinking there was like, I, mean, I know she put is just like I'm a capital in lowercase O, but I'm sure that was all caps no, because it's like, no, we, we're not even considering him. He can stay He can stay on the beach and make, make sure he doesn't bring his belt with him. You know, he can stay, right. off, stay off the sauce, I guess you could say, because, man, Yes. Junior Gallet, have, getting him back would be a huge mistake for this team. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we talk all the time about you know this the culture around this team, and particularly you look at this season and the offseason that they had with uh, you know the, the Drew Brees conversation and everything that went on around the Yahoo Finance interview. And this is a, a culture and a team that has held strong through all of that and through all the other things that you know these past few years, just in terms of the the. Uh, adversity that they face with the three playoff losses. This is a very strong team when it comes to its locker room, and uh, Junior Gillette is not necessarily the type of player that you would imagine being somebody to fit in with that. I can about imagine. Talk right now, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles. And now let's get to some of the stuff going on with the game. Obviously, injury report came out yesterday. Marcus Davenport, Cesar Ruiz, both out for the contest. Who's the bigger hit, losing them on the Injury, losing them to injury. Marcus Davenport or Ruiz? Uh, I think I would say uh, Marcus Davenport. The, the fact of the matter is that with Cesar Ruiz, you don't necessarily know exactly what it is that you're getting with him because he's never played a snap in the NFL. Now, with Nick Easton, who's very likely going to plug in at right guard, at least you have an idea of what that commodity is going to be. To an extent, Cesar Ruiz was an entire unknown, particularly with the, the shortened offseason, the lack of preseason, the lack of OTAs in many camps. And he also missed five training camp practices as well. He was still a bit of a question mark in terms of how his adjustment to the NFL was going to be, how we were still asking what position he was going to be playing going into the first game. Whereas at least this way, you have continuity at the center position with Eric McCoy, and you have somebody that has played that guard position for the Saints. He played left guard, but still having played the guard position for the Saints, knows the checks, knows the calls, and knows the protection plans. So when you look at that, I think that the Saints are in an okay position Going forward with Nick Easton, probably for this week, he was back at practice. Cesar Ruiz was on Thursday, excuse me, on Friday, but just didn't participate. So that's a good sign that he was at least present. Uh, Marcus Davenport, though, you know what you have in him, and there was a, a you know there's a big expectation for him to have a huge year this year, and I think that expectation is still there. This doesn't seem to be a longer term injury than a week, a couple of weeks. Otherwise, they would have put him on the new short term IR, which they could have taken him off of after three games. So I think that for the Saints, particularly with a rookie offensive tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, losing Marcus Davenport has more of an impact than losing uh, Cesar Ruiz. One of the more interesting quotes, Ross, from earlier this week, I mean, of course, we got to bring up what's going on with Drew Brees and what he said. Basically, he's turning it loose. He's letting it all hang out. He knows he's on, I find that interesting, the quote, borrowed time, and he's just going to turn it loose. <laughs> this is his last hurrah. I mean, we all know it kind of is, but it's amazing to hear him pretty much say, this is the last ride, and he's just turning it loose because he's on borrowed time. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is kind of what you want to hear from Drew Brees. Um, it, it's one of those situations to where, you know, he's there's been a lot of conversation around him and his arm strength improving going into this 2020 season. Uh, it, it, it's You hear him now with sort of this, this confidence that comes with the idea of I'm on borrowed time, I'm ready to turn it loose. Like in order to make that kind of statement, you have to be pretty confident about not only yourself and your own ability, but the team around you. And there seems to be a lot of confidence around this team one to 53, or I guess on game days you can even say one to 55, as every team has the uh, opportunity to bring up two more players from the practice squad for every game day. So from one to 55, you have a very talented team. You hear. Coach Payton very comfortable the way that he discusses the team. You hear Drew Brees the same way. And so I, I think this is something that Saints fans should be excited about. We know that, you know, Drew Brees was, has been a gunslinger. You know, early on in his career, he had that gunslinger title and creates a lot of turnovers, obviously, or created a lot of turnovers during that time. But now he's a little bit more surgical, precise. So if he can find sort of that balance in between to where he is still taking shots, he's still, you know, making those big plays that we're accustomed to seeing sort of from him back in the day, but also still being, uh, let me say, conservative enough to continue to protect the ball, which seems to be to a record-setting pace last year. That puts you in a really, really great position with your breeze moving forward through this 2020 season. It makes it all that more exciting. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I mean, it was apparently doubtful on Friday's injury report, and then we saw today he's been upgraded to questionable like if you see Mike Evans not play tomorrow against the Saints, how big is that for the defense to be able to just focus in on a couple guys instead of having to pretty much focus all your efforts on Evans? Yeah, it's it's a really great thing for the Saints. Obviously, you wish no injuries on any player, rival or not, but it would be a good thing for the Saints to just have that sort of one less pillar of that Tampa Bay offense that's absolutely stacked uh, to worry about. You know, you have to consider that him being elevated from doubtful to questionable. Questionable now sort of carries the same connotation that the former probable designation used to carry. They eliminated probable because everyone knew that probable meant yes. Uh, I think you're starting to see sort of that same uh, approach with questionable at this moment. So we'll see exactly whether or not he's going to be available. But if he's not, that's a big hit for the for, for the Tampa Bay offense, which has had to really rush into their practice the idea of putting together communication timing and rhythm with their new quarterback, Tom Brady. So much, in fact, that they were doing practices you know, on their own at high school fields and getting kicked off of practice fields when they weren't supposed to be out in the midst of the COVID pandemic. And so they are really focused on that. And so if you don't have Mike Evans, you take a pretty big hit there in terms of not only your production as a superstar player, losing a superstar player, but also the production in terms of just communication and comfort for this offense, timing, rhythm, all those things that are going to be so important to begin the season. That obviously works in the Saints' favor. We're looking to be a more physical defense here in 2020. And you know, Ross, talking right now, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast, Canal Street Chronicles. Looking at this game tomorrow, what's the biggest key to victory for the Saints? Uh, I think for me the biggest key is sort of what we were just talking about, and it's timing and rhythm. Whether or not Mike Evans plays or if it's Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller, those that are the top wide receivers, in any case, 
the Saints are going to try to be physical at the line of scrimmage with their secondary. Janoris Jenkins really gives you the opportunity to do that. That plays well to Marcus Adams, excuse me, uh, Marshawn Lattimore's strength. And if you can play physically and if you can disrupt timing and rhythm, it's going to do, it's going to throw off all of those timing routes that Tom Brady likes to rely on, those timing routes that Bruce Arians built in really well for Carson Palmer late in his career. You would expect to see here with Tom Brady at this point in his career. And these uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receivers are not used to creating yards after catch for themselves. They had 70% of their yards last year that came from those receivers came through the air thanks to Jameis Winston. So those timing quick routes, West Coast offense type of approach, that's going to be predicated on the quick passes, short and intermediate passes, and receivers creating after the catch. It's not something they have a ton of experience doing here in the NFL just yet. So if the Saints can be physical, throw them off of uh, rhythm, throw them off of timing to reroute those wide receivers, it's going to benefit them in pass defense and also benefit that pass rush as well. Before I let you go, Ross, what's your prediction for the season for the Saints? Oh, I, I'm pretty confident about the Saints this year as a veteran team coming in that's maintained a lot of their cohesion going through. So I'm looking at them at maybe a 12-4 and four type of a season. I, you know, It's very hard to predict 13-3 and three, three years in a row. But looking back over the 13-3 and three teams over the last 10 years, we've seen their ability to repeat it as double-digit winners the following season. Saints certainly did that last year following up 2018 with a 13-3 record. I think they'll do it similarly this year with a 12-4 and four record. Ross, thank you so much for coming on, man, man. We'll talk to you next week. Now that we finally – like, how excited are we to finally have football, like actual football games to talk about, Ross? I was just thinking, like, as I was talking about a key to victory – that it's the first time you and I have talked about a key to victory in a game for a very long time, since since January. So it was really exciting just talking about that because we're not anymore talking about, oh, this person would be a good fit, that person would be a good fit, and sort of you know projecting things about this team. Next time that we talk, we'll be able to evaluate a game that actually took place at a time where we weren't sure that the NFL season was even going to happen. This is incredibly exciting, and uh, I'm very grateful for all of the work that's been put in for uh, us to still be here doing what we do and for the NFL to be kicking off or having already kicked off on Thursday night. Exactly. I'm absolutely loving it. Ross, thank you so much for coming on, my man. Once again, we'll talk to you next week, heading into week two. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you next week. All right, that was Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast, Canal Street Chronicles. And now we're going to take a quick timeout, wrap up the show in a nice little bow. Currently, Cajun's still in halftime. Second half should be starting up as soon as I get off the air. So I'm looking forward to watching that. And the Cajun's currently trailing 14-10. to 10, And they have a chance to knock off Iowa State. Only down four heading into the second half. But they need to step the game up. I, I, I'm i saying, Monday, if they, if they win, Monday, I'm coming in here like on another level. Okay? Okay. That's about it. Come back with more Under the Dome with CD next. Right here on 1037 The Game, 1037 thegamecom Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. It took forever to get here, but in about, let's say, 27 hours, give or take, we get Saints-Bucks to start the season off. We never thought we'd get here, 
But today is the day where we get that much closer to the start of 2020 for the New Orleans Saints. A lot of expectations. Stakes is high. It's the last ride for Drew Brees. Who knows what's going to happen the rest of the way. He's saying he, simply put, is turning it loose. I'm turning it loose and letting the chips fall where they may. I know that everything happens for a reason and that in most cases failure is the best teacher. Um, That's the approach I've always taken. That's the approach this team has taken. And I feel like we've found a way to, to garner strength um, from each one of these moments from over the last few years. Um, and it's only made us better, and it's only brought us col- uh, closer to the to the ultimate prize. And they are getting that much closer to the ultimate prize, playing football in the middle of a pandemic. We never thought we'd get here, but here we are. So I'm here right now, going to put my prediction on wax right here, right now. The Saints, they win the NFC South. They will go 12-4. and four. I think they split a couple games against NFC South foes, the Carolina Panthers, and Tampa Bay Bucks. I think the game at the midway point of the season against the Bucks that is going to be a loss. The the San Francisco 49ers and the Vikings game, those two are coin flips, but I definitely would lean towards the Niners and the Vikings, especially late in the season. Those two games are going to be tough. The Kansas City Chiefs, that'll probably be your fourth loss. But you win the NFC South, you get a bye in the second round. You're going to be looking mighty good and that's where I think we are when you look at the Saints. And for me, I don't always try and go with the bias. I try and be level-headed. But I'm just feeling all the good vibes right about now. Why am I feeling all those good vibes? Well, it's a Saturday. Football's going on. So why not just go ahead and talk about what I want to talk about and say... It's time. This is the year. Call my shots. The Saints, they're going to the Super Bowl. They're doing it. I am saying it now. Saints, Super Bowl 2020. It happens. It's been a crazy year. Time for your crazy things to happen. Saints are winning the Super Bowl. I hate to go with bias but I got to do it. So appreciate you listening in on this wonderful Saturday afternoon. We'll be back with you next week with a brand new edition of Under the Dome with CD. Going to be doing some live updates for Cajuns Georgia Southern. Who knows who's going to – it's Georgia State, excuse me. We'll talk about that and so much more. We'll talk to you then. And, you know, that's about it. I'll talk to you next week. And hopefully you're here next week with me as well. So, yeah, that's about it. See you.